Remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Joshua, Nun's son, secretly sent two men as spies from Shidom. He said, Go look over the land, especially Jericho. They set out and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. They bedded down there. Someone told the king of Jericho, Men from the Israelites have come here tonight to spy on the land. So the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, Send out the men who came to you, the ones who came to your house, because they have come to spy on the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Then she said, Of course the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. The men left when it was time to close the gate at dark, but I don't know where the men went. Hurry, chase after them. You might catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the flax stalks that she had laid out on the roof. The men from Jericho chased after them in the direction of the Jordan up to the fords. As soon as those chasing them went out, the gate was shut behind them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you'd be seated, please. This morning we're going to be continuing our sermon series where we're looking at some of the different women in the Old and New Testament who model faith and who live in response to God's grace. This morning we're going to be looking at Rahab. Rahab is a little different example of our story because she's found in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua chapter 2. And so as we've read in this morning's scripture, you can see a picture of the city of Jericho. Jericho was a major city in, in Israel, or biblical times in a region that was called the Amorite region. And so the Amorites were a pagan people, which means they were Canaanite, if we look and read in the book of Exodus and then later in the book of Joshua. And so they were Canaanite, or, and they were pagan, and that meant that they lived in, in, according to the Canaanite religions. And so these religious practices meant that they could have engaged in human sacrifice uh, and ba burying babies or worshiping in different ways that we read about in the Old Testament where God told the people of Israel time and time again not to engage in those religious practices. Basically, if you read the Old Testament and God is saying to the Israelite people, to the Jewish people, here's how you are to worship God is saying, don't lit, worship in any way that the Canaanites worshiped or lived. And so basically, that was the city of Jericho. And so in this city, we read today about a woman named Rahab who was a prostitute. And we can get an idea due to her home. Biblical scholars think that she was actually pretty wealthy since the home that she lived was able to be on top of the walls. This meant that in this massive fortified city, which would be a city that has a wall 360 degrees around and may have had two different sections of walls, Rahab had a room with a view. And so her home afforded her windows opening to the outside, which also probably allowed her to have airflow that wasn't just air going through the city when she, if she would have been in a regular home surrounded by other homes, surrounded by the walls and everything else. You can imagine what I'm talking about. Rahab's location also meant that she was along the major thoroughfare. In all of these ancient cities, there were, you know, around the walls, there were uh, walkways or roads that allowed the soldiers to transport goods or arms or whatever they needed rapidly back and forth to protect the city. This also meant that, that these walls in non-military times were where people would travel and they could get around the city quickly without having to cut through the city. 
And so Rahab's life, as we, to summarize it, I think is what we can basically say is that her life and her well-being was aligned with the same practices and criticisms of her culture. And so she was a Canaanite through and through. In her profession, she was also viewed the lowest of the low in terms of what she did and in the way that others in her community would have viewed her. And so really, if you think about it, she's the least and the last person that we would expect to read in the book of Joshua and then also in other portions of the Scripture to have referenced in terms of someone that God would have chosen to use in order to offer redemption and in order to offer deliverance to His people. But that's how God works. Because of her profession, Rahab really was the perfect place that, that spies that Joshua had sent across the Jordan River to spy on Jericho were to go check. Her home was in the walls, so they could have gone in and looked around to, to check the condition of the walls. They could have looked out the windows to, to see the type of defenses that the city had. And the, by the, the amount of people that would go in and out of her home, they could have gone in there and it wouldn't have been considered unusual. But however, someone did notice that they were there. And all of the city is on edge. And if you read the book of Joshua, it says that all of the city had heard how the nation of Israel, how the people of Israel, as they had wandered across the wilderness, had dealt with other kings. They had defeated them in battle. And so all of Jericho is on edge. They knew that this, this group of people was poised across the Jordan River, ready to cross. And so when the king finds out that there are spies in the city, he sends messengers or king's men or soldiers, whatever you want to call them, to try and find them. And so they go to Rahab's house. And what she does shocks us. And here's where she's tied into our story in our sermon series. Because the book of Joshua tells us that before she engaged with any of these uh, king's men that had come, before she spoke to them, before she opened the door, she hides the spies. She hides the spies before she engages in any words with them. We don't even know what kind of conversation they had because Joshua doesn't tell us that, the book of Joshua. But what it does tell us is as the king's men approached, Rahab sent the men to the roof and hid them under flax branches before she opened the door. And so in question, she quickly tells the king's men, of course they were here. But I didn't know where they were from. They left when it was time to close the gate at dark. I don't know where they went. Hurry, chase after them. Perhaps you can still catch them or you might catch up with them. So basically with her words, what does she do? She sends these men on a wild goose chase, doesn't she? She misdirects her own countrymen. She misdirects the king's own men. She didn't deny that, that the spies had been in her home, which is probably where she was able to misdirect them. She didn't deny that she'd seen them. But what she did deny or what she did misdirect is when she said they'd already left. And one of the oldest questions of the Bible has been whether her lie was justified. But the scripture today that we're looking at doesn't even ask that question because scripture today talks about her act of faith. Because she brought these two spies into her home. Protected them without any negotiation, any bargain, any conversation. It was only 
after she had protected these men, that she expressed her knowledge of God, that she expressed her knowledge of what God had done in leading the people of Israel through the land, and in the way that she expressed that she knew that the God of Israel would deliver Jericho into the hands of Israel. See, Rahab knew what had happened when Israel had faced the Amorite kings of Og and Sihon. She believed and she knew that God was going to to continue to act, and so her action was to have faith. She had faith even as she had this extreme fear, I'm sure. Because she feared many things, didn't she? She feared that that her family would have been punished or put to death because of her action in hiding the slides. Perhaps she feared that that her and her family would, would experience the same that was going to happen to all of Jericho that she had heard happen to all these, uh, these other nations, these other kings, when they faced the people of Israel. And so her response, in addition to her fear, was a request that she and her family be shown the same kindness and protection that she had already extended to the spies. So she's already hidden them, and now she says to them, Now that I've been loyal to you, Pledge to me by the Lord in turn that you will deal loyally with me and my family. Give me a sign of good faith. Spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, and sisters, along with everything they own. Rescue us from death. She knows what's going to happen. And so what she's done is she's used her action to protect not just herself, but all of those that are, are in her family, right? And so the spies tell her they'll do it. We swear by our own lives to insecure yours. If you don't reveal our mission, we will deal loyally and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. And there was also a condition. For them to keep the promise, Ahab had to act. She had to gather her family in her home. She was to hang a bright red sash or cord out of her window that could be seen from the outside of the city. And this was to be a sign. She had to act in order for this promise, for this response to her faith to be lived out. If the sash wasn't in the window, I think we can assume that we know what would have happened, is that when the walls of Jericho fell, Rahab and the rest of her family would have been treated in the same way as everyone else in the city of Jericho. And so she had to act too. She had to act on her faith, she had to demonstrate her faith, she had to demonstrate her commitment, and she also had to keep the spies' visit a secret in order for them to honor the promise that they had made to her. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read the story of Rahab and and God, or the spies telling her to put the red out her window, is that not reminiscent or, or make us think a little bit about the Passover? In the book of Exodus, when God is going to send the the angel of God over the land that's going to kill the firstborn, and he tells Moses to tell the people of Israel that they are to slaughter a lamb and put the blood over, over their door on the lintel and to remain in their home behind closed doors during the night. See, God had promised to deliver the people of Israel too, didn't he? But he also required action of them. He said, you have to do this in order for your home to be protected, in order for the angel of death to pass over. And essentially, that's what's being said to, to Rahab, isn't it? 
is for you to be protected, you have to act. Her action did not require the blood of a lamb. But what her action required was a sign and a demonstration that her faith was going to keep her and her father and her mother and her brothers and her sisters safe, all of those that she had gathered in her home as the army of Israel approached the city of Jericho. You know the story of how Jericho fell. Israel walking around once every day, blowing horns, then on the seventh day, marching seven times, and then blowing the horn on the last lap. But as the walls of the city fell, Joshua sent the spies back into the city to find the home of Rahab. They were to bring her out. They were to bring out her mother, her father, her brothers, her sisters, and everyone related to her. And then the scripture says that Joshua let Rahab the prostitute live, her family and everyone related to her. So her family still lives among Israel today because she hid the spies when Joshua had sent out to scout Jericho. So here, what can we learn from her story? I think in her story is we see a perfect example of what it means to experience the power of faith in one's life and seeing that we can be drawn to God even at the risk of having to turn back from everything else that we know. If you think of Rahab's story for, for her to, to respond to the faith, or to respond in faith to God, She had to turn her back on her life, on her people, on everything else, and she was able to get away from everything that did not honor God by changing her life. And through her actions, she became a true hero of the faith, someone that we remember not just by reading the book of Joshua, but if you go and you read in the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews also lists Rahab in the great chronicle of faith of people who lived faithfully in response to God even before they really knew who God was and what God was doing. She had faith before she knew. And so uh, Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith Rahab the prostitute wasn't killed with the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. And then at the very end of this chapter in 11 it says, All these people didn't receive what was promised though they were given approval for their faith. God provided something better for us so they wouldn't be made perfect without us. Rahab was included in the very list that this Hebrews writer that we read every year as part of all saints and other times of the year, this Rahab was listed as those who lived in in faith. Think about who she was. Think about what she did. Think about where she came from. Friends, this means that this woman, who would have been included in absolutely zero lists in her day, is now included with some of the greatest names of people who lived and answered and responded to God with faith. Names like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, so many others who who recognized the awesome power of God in their lives and who lived by faith accordingly. See, Rahab's profession of faith had more significance to God than what she did in her life. And our own profession of faith has more significance to God than the things that you and I have ever done on the ways that that we may feel that we are inadequate to stand before God, 
fully redeemed and, and fully forgiven, we can't read the Bible without seeing that God can and did and does use everyone to accomplish His plan and His purpose for our lives and for His kingdom. And so when you feel insufficient to receive God's grace, when you feel insufficient to receive forgiveness, we can remember, we can look and see how God even used Rahab to accomplish his plan in delivering his people. We can remember that God does not require or even ask us to tie a red sash in our window or to mark a cross on our bodies. What we can remember is that it's the crimson thread of Jesus' blood that has already offered us forgiveness. And because of the work of Jesus, you and I are already forgiven. We've already received His grace. And because we've received that grace, you and I can live confidently in the present today with an eye toward the future. All because of what God has already done for us. See, Paul wrote about this to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians, he writes, However God is rich in mercy, He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that He has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. God did this to show future generations the greatness of His grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is what we see in the story of Rahab is that when it comes to God's forgiveness, when it comes to living in faith, when it comes to responding that all that God has does and continues to do, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how recently we might have done it. What matters is our hearts. And the way that you and I are able to look to God in faith as we receive the grace that God has given us. Because God can and God does use all of us to accomplish His work. And I don't know if you can, I mean, we can look to Rahab and see how God used a woman like her whose name isn't just listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, as the author lists a name of people who have lived in faith, but whose name is also listed as an ancestor of the one who offered us life, of the one who offered us hope, and the one that offers us grace, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen.